I've interviewed arsonists during my career as a forensic psychologist. Two in particular stand out in my mind, mainly for the intimate, almost sexual way they describe the actual acts of setting the fire and watching it burn. Listening to them talk, I felt almost guilty, as if I were peeking in someone's bedroom window and watching them have sex without their knowledge. On today's episode, we'll take a look at the case of John Leonard Orr, an arsonist and murderer whose fires caused millions of dollars in damage and took the lives of four innocent people from the mid-1980s to 1991. And as you'll see, he was almost always first on the scene not just because he was the one who set the fires, but because fighting fires was his job. For those who grew up here, Glendale, California brings to mind well-manicured lawns and celebrities. It's well known for its Armenian population and delicious ethnic food. It's also been named as one of the safest neighborhoods in America and in recent years as LA's Neighborhood of the Year. But Glendale isn't all sweetness and sunshine. It has a dark past that includes a slew of the hillside strangler murders that brought the nation to a standstill in the late 1970s. Perhaps there's something about the beauty and seeming security of a neighborhood like Lindale that lures those with bad intentions. Or maybe it was just unlucky. On October the 10th, 1984, while thousands of people were getting ready to watch the San Diego Padres take on the Detroit Tigers in the World Series, a fire broke out around 7 p.m. at Ole's Home Center, a well-known neighborhood hardware store in Pasadena. The blaze quickly engulfed the busy store located in a crowding shopping mall. Fire departments were summoned and stores evacuated as quickly as possible. But the fire claimed the lives of four people. A 26-year-old mother of two, a 17-year-old store employee, a 52-year-old grandmother and her two-year-old grandchild, Matthew. The tragedy devastated the entire South Pasadena neighborhood arson investigators quickly began investigating. After examining what was left of the store, almost all of them concluded that it was an accident likely caused by faulty wiring or a problem with the electrical system. All of them that is except for one, John Leonard Orr. John Orr was an arson investigator with the Glendale Fire Department. From the start, he believed the fire was set deliberately. In fact, Orr was highly irritated when his colleagues declared the fire was an accident instead of arson. Later investigations confirmed Orr's opinion. The fire was started in an area of the store with highly flammable products. It was purposely set in a way that ensured it would do the most damage. John Orr's career as a public servant had gotten off to a rocky start turned down by the LAPD because he failed the psychological exam. He was also turned down by the Los Angeles Fire Department. He persisted in his dreams to be a hero, though, and was eventually hired by the Glendale Fire Department. At the time of the Ole's Home Center fire, it was no big surprise that John Orr had been right. He had become a hero. 
or had developed a reputation over the years as someone with an almost uncanny sixth sense for arson investigations. He would arrive on the scene of a blaze and often within minutes pinpoint the exact location where a fire had started. His initial theories about the circumstances about a fire were almost always proven correct. His colleagues thought John Orr was brilliant. Over time, the Oli fire faded into the background. No one was ever charged with arson, but life moved on. Then, in January of 1987, Fresno, California was the host to a conference for arson investigators. During and after this convention, the nearby town of Bakersfield was hit by several suspicious fires that were ruled to be arson. It was such strange timing that Chief Marvin Casey of the Bakersfield Fire Department became suspicious. When a piece of lined notebook paper that was used to create a timing device was discovered, Casey thought that the arsonist might be a fellow firefighter. Not just any firefighter, but an arson investigator who had attended the conference. There was one fingerprint on that piece of paper, the fingerprint of the arsonist, but there was no match in any database. Two years later, in 1989, another series of suspicious fires broke out. These arson fires also coincided with the conference of arson investigators. This time, the location was Pacific Grove. Captain Casey was now convinced that one of the firefighters who attended the conferences was guilty of setting these fires. He compared the attendees from both conferences and came up with a list of 10 possible suspects. But progress was slow. In 1990 and 1991, yet another series of arson fires broke out, this time in the LA metropolitan area. A new task force was put together. They nicknamed it the Pillow Pyro Task Force in reference to the way that the incendiary devices were placed. In each of the cases, timing devices were created using a cigarette, matches, and a lined piece of paper, which were then placed inside pillows or other fabrics. In 1991, arson investigator Tom Capizano of the Los Angeles Task Force circulated information on the MO of these particular arson fires. His efforts eventually caught the attention of Chief Casey of Bakersfield, and the two of them got together. When they compared notes, they realized that they were looking for the same arsonist. Once they put together the evidence between the various locations, John Orr's attendance at conferences in those locations, and his uncanny knowledge of the origins of fires he investigated, he became a major suspect. Capuzano was finally able to help Casey match that fingerprint evidence to their key suspect, John Orr. The fingerprint removed any doubt that they had the right person, but they wanted concrete proof that they had the right man. After all, Orr was not just any suspect, he was smart. He had not only been an arson investigator for years, he had actually served as chief of the Glendale Fire Department. He had been a mentor and trainer for junior investigators and had actually produced training videos for the department. Investigators secretly put Orr under surveillance and placed a tracking device on his car. He found and removed the first tracker, but didn't catch the second tracking device they installed behind his vehicle's dashboard. When it showed his car's location at another suspicious fire, they ended the surveillance and arrested him on December 4, 1991. After Orr's arrest, 
Police detectives uncovered one of the most damning pieces of evidence that would be used in his trials, John Orr's own words. In his home, they found a 350-page unpublished novel about a firefighter who was also a serial arsonist who set fires because it sexually aroused him. The fires his villains started were eerily similar to the actual pillow pyro arson fires. The most alarming connection between the manuscript and the real fires was the Oli's Home Center case. In Points of Origin, John Orr's novel, the protagonist set a Pasadena hardware store ablaze. Two of the victims are a woman and her toddler grandson. In the 1984 real Pasadena fire, in which four lives were lost, two of them eerily matched the victims in Orr's book, Ada Deal, 52, and her grandson, Matthew Troidal, almost three. In his manuscript, Orr also wrote that the fictional grandmother was going to take her grandson out for mint chocolate chip ice cream after their trip to the hardware store. This turned out to be true in real life, and the only person who knew this information was the child's grandfather, who was at the store at the time, narrowly escaped with his life, and spoke to John Leonard Orr. Orr would always maintain that this novel was a pure work of fiction, and that his main character was based on different arsonists he had arrested, and that any resemblance between the fires in his book and real life was just a coincidence. However, that's not what prosecutors argued or the jury believed. When combined with all the other evidence against him, a clear pattern of John Orr's guilt started to emerge. Not everyone initially believed John Orr was guilty. His arrest and trial was devastating for his family, especially his two daughters, who initially believed in his innocence. His youngest daughter, Lori, was only 17 years old at the time of his arrest and testified on his behalf at trial. In July 1992, John Orr was convicted of three counts of arson by a federal court. In March 1993, Orr pled guilty to three more counts of arson in a plea bargain to reduce the charges against him. And in June 1998, Orr was convicted of four counts of murder. While he escaped the death penalty, he will likely remain in prison for the rest of his life. John Orr says he is innocent of the Oli fire to this day, but no one, not even his daughters, believe him. John Orr didn't just wreck the lives of total strangers. He left behind two daughters, Lori and Carrie, who were devastated by his arrest. Lori, who was 17 when her father was jailed, firmly believed in his innocence, at least as long as she could. In fact, at age 23, she testified at her dad's sentencing hearing to help him avoid the death penalty. In a 2018 interview with an arts and entertainment writer, Lori said that she gradually realized the truth. She remembered the matches, paper, and cigarettes in her father's briefcase, even though he didn't smoke. A relative once told her that John had confessed to starting small brush fires, and she eventually read her father's highly incriminating novel. Like many survivors of hardship, Lori has turned her life experience into a positive by writing a book about the experience of growing up with a beloved family member who turns out to be a violent criminal. She hopes other people who have to live with what a loved one has done will not feel so alone. Please look for my upcoming segment on pyromania in our featured crime analysis section, where we'll talk about the psychology of fire setting and how it can intersect with mental illness. Thank you for watching this episode of Unmasking a Murderer. 
If you haven't already subscribed to our channel, I'd be thrilled if you'd consider it. And please tell your friends about us. If there's a particular case you'd like us to cover, please let us know. Until next time, when we try to unmask another murderer.